Have those Marvel blues while Black Widow's theatrical release date is consistently delayed? Well, turn that frown upside down because yet another MCU podcast is here to guide you through the MCU one movie at a time. That's right, Mike. Each episode, we break down one movie from the MCU and talk about its connections with the source material, comic books. Which means I get to learn so many fascinating things like about Alpha Flight. The Canadian Avengers. Who knew? And Moon Knight. A multiple personality superhero. Seriously? And then there's Man-Thing. Yeah, not really sure how to explain that one. Pretty sure no one can. Yet another MCU podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crackle and Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about... The history of the beer. What's in it. How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Kraken When Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Oh, I guess I like sports movies. Yeah, like real creepy. Like, did you notice him with his pants down? Oh, with his pants down? Yeah, I just noticed somebody was there. Yeah, no, his his pants are down. He's taking a dump. Is that? And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I want to do the secret cabal stuff. I don't want. I don't want to just go oh, and drink. Still, you still got to wear a cloak and stuff. No, I think no, no. I want the. Up. I want the real cabal stuff. Like, I want the stuff <laughs> for controlling the world. I want the secret break. You know what? Screw that. Hi, I'm Mike Butler, and I'm Mike Field, and you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Happy recording day. Why should I worry? You already ruined it. Why should I care? <laughs> just you you sound just like Billy Joel. It's a, it's, right? it's uncanny. It, it's uncanny. It is. Oh my goodness. Is Billy Joel here with me now? I can't find the song on Spotify anymore, but I know it was on there a few months ago. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. So we are doing Oliver and Company. Yes, it's a kids movie. Yes. Yes. Get ready. In this animated update of the classic Oliver Twist tale, Oliver is an orphan kitten taken in by a gang of thieving dogs, led by canine dodger Billy Joel, <laughs> and owned by down-and-out pickpocket Fagin. While pulling a job in the streets of New York City, Oliver winds up being adopted by a rich girl, Jenny, and landing on Easy Street. But through a series of events, a loan shark threatens the peaceful new arrangement. Yeah, well, that synopsis is about as bad as I did it. <laughs> <laughs> So Oliver and Company, runtime of 74 minutes, production budget of $31 million, was released on a Friday, November 18th, 1988. Opening weekend, it did $4 million domestic uh, and worldwide are the same, so $74 million. Even though it did come out the, uh, worldwide, I guess it just didn't do a lot. Hmm. Production company's Walt Disney Feature Animation and Silver Screen Partners 3, <laughs> or the third? I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to say that. Whoa. Distributed by Buena Vista Pictures, and it was actually distributed by Warner Brothers in the United Kingdom. Hence why I said I don't think it did anything worldwide because the numbers are the same. Now, it came out, like I said, on the 18th in 1988. It came up against The Land Before Time. Butler, are you a big fan of Don Bluth and The Land Before Time? It's a very sad movie, but it's a very good movie. <laughs> it also came up against Fresh Horses. Do you remember Fresh Horses? I have no idea what that is. That's what Molly Ringwald and James Spader was kind of after, like, all, like, the big, big breakfast club and all the 
big movies and she is he falls in love with her or something like that or they get together i'm not sure if he she's married and he kind of he's not to him and okay. he falls in love with her maybe it's andrew mccarthy i don't know that's one of them and uh but then you find out she's like only 16 and he's like it's like yeah a little appropriate yeah yeah i've not heard of that movie yeah i i, I saw it like once in the 80s and i was just like i think my reaction was this isn't like breakfast club like it was still like that so i was just like i never went back to it molly what come on <laughs> and you also had high spirits that came out that day on the 23rd which is pretty sure the wednesday before thanksgiving you had scrooged which is a good i which i enjoy mm-hmm. cocoon the return starring courtney cox anyone anyone no no i've seen it once i barely remember that, <laughs> that sequel and you had an unlimited release buster full moon and blue water and hannah's war i've seen hannah's war i've not seen the other two and then uh, the week before uh, this movie came out on November 11th, you had Ernest Saves Christmas. I thankfully have missed that. You had Child's Play, which I have seen. Mm-hmm. Iron Eagle 2 for all Iron Eagle fans out there. There was a two? There was. Really? You didn't know there was a two? Iron Eagle's did, a big I hit. I did not know there was really? a two. Really? Really? Interesting. Yeah. Perhaps if you watched, I knew it was a big hit. Perhaps but... if you listened to me and watched Cobra Kai like I've told you to, you would know that there's an Iron Eagle 2 because that's in the, that's in the show. Stop trying to sell me on I'm not show. trying to, I shouldn't have to sell you on it. You should be watching it. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Split Decisions, A Cry in the Dark, and Distant Thunder. Those all came out on the 11th. So this movie was directed by George Scribner. He was the writer for The Lion King. He also was an animator for The Black Cauldron. Written by, I'm going to tell you right now, it's written by a bunch of people. I'm going to go through them. But the top three I've got right now are Jim Cox, Tim Disney, and James Mangold. Anyone remember James Mangold? That's the future director of Indiana Jones. Okay, well, now that you brought that up, I'm a little bit upset. (laughs) But he also did Logan, Walk the Line of Copland, which I believe he wrote as well, or wrote parts of it. Jim Cox has done Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, and The Rescuers Down Under. Tim Disney, I do not know if there's any relation, did A Question (laughs) of Faith and a movie called William. So now, here are are the story credits, and I'm just going to give you a quick kind of one credit with the name as we go along here. Story by Vance Jerry, where he did The Black Cauldron. Another story credit. Mike Gabriel, director of Pocahontas. Joe Ranth, uh, writer, a story credit for Toy Story. Jim Mitchell was a storyboard artist for The Avengers, amongst other things. I'm talking about the new Avengers in 2012. Oh, Chris yeah. Bailey uh, is a creator of Kim Possible. Kirk Wise, he also did, he was a writer for this. Kirk Wise was the director of Beauty and the Beast. David Mishner did The Fox and the Hound, was a story credit for there. Roger Allers was director of The Lion King. Gary Truesdale was the other director of the Beauty and the Beast. Kevin Lima. Mike, what did he direct? Because we did his movie. Uh, Enchanted. Enchan- Good job. Okay, way, yep. to, way to play. Yep, sorry, yep. Michael Sedino <laughs> was the animator for Hercules. And Peter Young uh, was the writer, was a story credit for The Great Mouse Detective. And Peter Young was going to direct this movie, but he died. He was 37. He died right before production. Ooh. Pretty sad. Pretty sad. But uh, I I've mean, got one more name on here. What's that? I've got Leon Jusen. Oh, uh, I didn't put him in there because I didn't. I didn't yeah, get, no, okay. Yeah, I was just like, eh, he doesn't have that much credit. I was being nice. <laughs> I was being nice. But anyways, but this is not, I think this is uh, common. I think you have a lot of people that have their hands in the pot in terms of for animated movies. Right, especially Disney films. Yeah, so it makes a lot of sense that, and there's always been, there's always been a push, and I don't know, some people do it, some credits have it, some don't, but there's always been a push when you have, you know, written by or story by credit, but like in the credits at the end of the movie, you have additional writer credits that are in there. And okay. usually there's, that's not, you don't, I think you don't have to do that, but there's always been a push to have that in there, which makes sense. Cause every time we talk about a movie, there's tons of people that are doing uncredited rewrites on there or additional rewrite writing as you go. Right. And, and they're and just not credited. So but as you can tell, a lot of people had their hands in the pot here for 
uh, Oliver and Company. A lot of big names too, at least in the world of animation. True, absolutely. Well, absolutely. I just went through all, all the big all the names of them. Excuse me. Composer by J. A. C. Redford. He's also done Newsies, the <laughs> Mighty Ducks two and three. Not the first one though. And he did the short Bernie. I don't know if you've seen that from Wally. Oh yep, yep. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Edited by Mark A. Hester and James Melton. Hester has done The Little Mermaid, Madagascar, and the, and the upcoming Boss Baby 2. I'm sure we'll see that on Netflix. And James Melton has done The Rescuers, The Black Cauldron, and The Great Mouse Detective. You had Joey Lawrence as Oliver. I don't know if people know Joey Lawrence from Blossom. I'll do it. Whoa. Melissa and Joey. <laughs> he's also on that TV show. He was in Summer Rental and Radioland Murders. Billy Joel as Dodger. Is, uh, you know, he's the piano man. I mean, if you don't know who he is, you should probably just look him up. <laughs> this is actually the only kind of acting role he's had right. not playing himself cheech marin as tito um i i'm assuming a lot of people know who cheech is from cheech and chong but he's in up in smoke he was also in the lion king from dust till dawn and tin cup kids don't watch those last two richard mulligan has einstein <laughs> uh i know richard mulligan from the tv show empty nest which was a spinoff of the golden girls yeah that's right he was also in meatballs part two and mickey and maude roscoe lee, roscoe lee brown as francis he was in the tv show soap he's also babe dear god and legal eagles uh cheryl lee ralph as Rita, she was in the TV show It's a Living, uh, White Man's Burden. That's a movie and just getting started. Dom DeLuise as Fagin. He was in Cannibal Run, Blazing Saddles, History of the World Part One. Uh, he's also he's also always partnered with Burt Reynolds. If for those who don't know, Tareen Block. I don't, I'm sorry if I said that name wrong. Is plays Roscoe in the movie, he, more famously known from the TV show Hill Street Blues. He's also in Deep Star Six and the movie Fled. And then you had Robert Loggia as Sykes. He is nominated for an Oscar for the movie Jagged Edge. He's also in Big. He's in the TV show Sopranos. And he's also in the my favorite orange juice commercial where he yells at the kid and tells me, drink his orange juice. Do you remember that? I do remember. I love that commercial. <laughs> hey, kid, drink your orange juice. Bette Midler is Georgette. She is nominated for an Oscar for uh, The Rose, for The Boys. She's also in Hocus Pocus, The First Wives Club, Ruthless People, and Beaches. And then I got an additional voice credit for Jonathan Brandis. I don't know. You remember Jonathan Brandis? I do. Passed not. away real early. He was in um, not deep. Is Deep Space Nine? Not Deep Space. That's the that's that's Star Trek, right? Star Trek. No, he's in um Sequest. He was in Sequest. Okay. You don't remember him? I, who did he play in Sequest? He played the kid. Oh, he was the kid. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, he unfortunately took his own life a long time ago. So too soon. Too soon. Sorry to bring everyone down for Oliver the Company. Oh, Sorry. Right. Okay. So Butler. Hmm. Uh, you recommended this movie. Right. And I had never seen this movie before. And I barely remembered this movie other than this. Right, right. <laughs> um, it's tough because I don't want to sit here and say, like, this movie's terrible. I just, it's not for me. Like, I'm too old. Do you this, know what I mean? This movie very much, even compared to most Disney movies, skews very, very young, I think. Yeah, it's, it feels kind of like a, hey, let's put this together and... You know, the kids will come regardless because it's got songs in it. Does that kind of it feels like it was cut up a lot as well. Right. I mean, I, I don't think that like it doesn't blend. I mean, the movie blends. It's fine. It's very quick. But that might be also what they were going for in terms of, hey, let's get kids in here. Yeah. The story beats move very quickly to the point where maybe that's what they did it. Like, hey, let's keep kids attention. Like you you said in our Rango episode, mm -hmm. you were saying that your kids can't stay still in a movie theater like no matter how like the first time you went was a disaster. Yep. This is only 74 minutes. Yep. This is like a long TV episode. Which I appreciate. Yeah. So it essentially you go from Oliver gets found, Oliver gets taken, Oliver gets taken, Jenny gets taken, and the, the movie ends. <laughs> and it just boom, 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 boom. Every plot point just moves. And the whole time I was thinking that's 
bad storytelling for adults. There's not a lot of depth here, but for a kid, maybe this is this is one of the reasons I remember liking it was because it kept my attention the whole way. Through. Well, a kid's not going to break it down like we're going to break it right, down. Yeah. A kid doesn't care. A kid sees the song in the opening, sees some cool stuff. Dog running, chicken chase, action. There's some dark moments, which is fine. Uh, it's not really. I don't think you would see some of these dark moments now. No. I, I mean, those dogs are dead. Uh, uh, Oliver and uh, Dodger killed those two Dobermans. They're dead. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's like the guy we're OK the with that. Yeah. But all right. But they, they murdered. The, they straight up murdered those dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you won't you won't see that now. Um, so. I, I do kind of want to break down the story because I, I don't want to, you know, what I mean, I, the what I found a little weak, okay, but yeah. but I want to temper that by saying it, I, it's, it's for kids. So who cares? You know what I mean? Like, right. We always talk about that all the time. You And I don't want to rehash old stuff that we've already said in terms of Rango and Inside Out and all that stuff. But would you say this is the antithesis to Rango? Like this is going the other way too far? Well, I think this is one of those movies that it's not for me. It's for children. It's one to put in there to watch. It's not one that I would be like, oh, uh, like you you remembered it as a child. Yeah, there's a movie I remember. The Secret of Nim was a big movie when I was a okay. kid, obviously. And I and there was a a long time ago we were like, oh, we should watch The Secret of Nim again, and we watched it. And and this was maybe ten, fifteen years ago, and I was just like, I don't like this movie. Like it just, I didn't like it again. And because I'm older, and it was different sensibilities, and I was noticing plot points and right you were watching it yeah and and stuff that yeah. bu- that bugged me and, and i was just no no and i know i say it all the time i've seen it done so well that i you know i should expect it in other stuff but again secret and m oliver and company these are for six-year-olds seven-year-olds right. sit down hey watch this you know so that that's i understand that the songs are fine oh, you love the songs the first song is the one that's Super popular. The why should I worry? Why should I worry? Okay. The one at the beginning, I liked that one at the beginning. Right. When the kittens are getting taken, but I didn't remember it at all. But I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. Right. But the other songs, I was like, eh, these aren't very strong. Yeah. Yeah. Like Rita's song is like, eh, okay. Was mm-hmm. it Rita or Georgette? Georgette. 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 Georgette's song. Bette Midler song. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, it's I like hearing Bette Midler saying. I like hearing Billy Joel thing. Although right. I kept thinking Billy Joel was uh, Bruce Willis. He kept sounding like Bruce Willis. Elise said the same thing when we watched it last night. She's like, he's doing his best Bruce Willis impression. Uh, seriously. Like, I just think it's because he's from the from Long Island and um, Willis is from the area, too. So it's just kind of like, right. He's from it, Jersey. It is. That's, that's yeah. what it is. You know, but that's I, what you want in your character. I mean, I think uh, that's sure. perfect. I'd rather have that than them casting some some dude from LA doing a fake New York accent and then you really have, overdoing it. And then you have Billy Joel just doing the, the song, the voice I, singing. I, I, I don't like that, that either. It's, you might as well just do the whole thing. Get the, yeah. Uh, can the singer not do the acting? Well, some singers might not have uh, confidence enough to pull that off. You know, they might, you know, yeah. people are. You just got to get a strong <laughs> enough. As long as you get a singer, I think that's like close. Yeah. But when it comes to Billy Joel, it's like, you're going to know that's Billy Joel right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just cast him as your character. Right. Uh, so just to get into the story a little bit, a lot of the things that happen in this movie seem to just happen because, OK, so this is supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, just to kind of f- flash forward to the ending. I don't know what exactly Sykes does do, does for a living. The bad guy. I don't know what he does. You know, whether he is a loan shark. Looks like he's some kind of low level loan shark shark. Who but, owns, he, but he owns like a shipping company. Owns a shipping okay. company. Yeah. It's a little bit sloppy that he's just going to just resort to kidnapping like right away and then make the phone call on his own. I mean, he's like just doesn't care about protecting himself <laughs> at all. It just it's just and it only seems like that's only done to. OK, this is the end of the movie. 
we need to set up the final ending. Sykes is going to do this. We're going to put him here. They're going to fight and, and, and all that stuff. Right. I wasn't a huge fan of Fagan. I don't know how, if you liked Fagan. Uh, he's. He's like a nice guy, but he's also a dirtbag. He's yeah. And so I don't know if he really deserves the happy ending he kind of gets. So here's the thing with Fagan. He's clearly homeless. He obviously lives in this like rancid boat that's on that's on dry dock. Or mm-hmm. I, I believe he wears the same clothes all all show all, all movie. I've never seen him take a shower. So at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the movie, when they're at Jenny's uh, house and they hug, I'm thinking he stinks. He's got to stink. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I'm just like, and he's he just doesn't look like he understands the word what hygiene means and it's just it, it really just turned me off i and i'm just like oh god you must reek right now <laughs> if bacon also comes off as kind of a, a low-level thief as well or pickpocket. i mean that's what he trained his dogs to do well, he's supposed to be a doofus like an idiot but he's not a lovable idiot like i don't find any kind of like oh like okay he loves his animals you know you, you yeah you clearly borrowed money but we don't know what you borrowed money for from from sykes Probably the payoffs keep his boat, his crappy boat. Is that what we're dock. assuming? That's what I'm assuming. So then, and then your solution to give me to paying him back is to enlist your animals to go steal. Right. <laughs> okay. In the world of Disney, it totally makes oh, sense. No, absolutely. He's going to arrest a dog. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It probably only took him a day or two to teach him, too. <laughs> and so the other thing is like the, in terms of just all the dog stuff, the main protagonist is obviously Oliver. But a little bit of Dodger, the dogs. But let's say right. Oliver and Dodger for the sake of just saying it. The main antagonist is not the other dogs. It's not even Sykes is not their main antagonist because he is just he kind of like pops in at the end. Right. So those Dobermans they have there are supposed to be their quote unquote bad guys. But they're like barely in the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. kind of like things are just put in place to just kind of get to the end. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's more the situation that's the enemy in a, in a way. Okay. It's just the situation of finding a home and like where that's the theme of the movie is also the the antagonist like that moves the story around. I guess. Right. OK. So I'm, I'm I just think that, that like you put the enemies in there because they need to be in there, you know? No, it's, I, it's, it's yeah. all about Oliver finding a home. Is, is his home with the thieves or is it you know, with Jenny? And without the dogs or Sykes, that's not a very exciting movie for kids to watch. Well, this was supposed to be a sequel to The Rescuers, and then they changed it because if the story wasn't convincing. But I'm wondering if were they always going to use the Oliver Twist angle for for the uh, end of the for the I Rescuers sequel, that. or were they just kind of shoehorn that in there just to have kind of like a base? Take out Dodger and the dogs, right? You just have um, I can't remember the mice names. I've never seen. I I shouldn't say I've never seen it. I just don't remember it. Right. I can't remember the two mice names, but. Instead of them, they find Oliver. They're trying to find Oliver a home. He gets kidnapped. They get the mission from, you know, their station right. head or chief or whatever to go rescue Oliver. Right. I, I can absolutely see this and still using the Oliver twist plotline as a rescuers movie. However, I prefer Rescuers Down Under is very good. So they probably made Rescuers Down Under right after this and wouldn't have. Yeah. OK. All otherwise. Right. So I think Rescuers Down Under. Is, was is that was that was after this movie? That was after this movie, I believe. Well, I'm wondering if part of that reason, and then maybe 
I, and even though we just talked about how we talked about like the 10 or 15 writers that worked on it and we just said like, you know, that's usually what happens. But I'm wondering if that was also part of what I'm having trouble with in terms of the story elements and, and everything just squeezed together for the sake of being squeezed together. I'm wondering if that is why it feels that way, because they probably had all the songs pretty much. OK, this is the songs that they're going to sing. And they just probably filled everything in after that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I Rescuers doesn't have musical bits, I don't think. Well, I'm wondering but, that that probably came into. Oh, for the sure. Oliver as soon company, as they were like, hey, yeah. let's get Billy Joel to play this right, streetwise right. dog. It was Billy, what you got? You're a streetwise dog. Make a <laughs> make a song. And he made a song and they, the entire movie was kind of like, here's the song. Write your movie around this song, kind mm-hmm. of. Well, the original opening for this movie was that Oliver's parents and siblings were killed by the Dobermans. And then Oliver joins the gang to get them back, to get revenge. So I guess initially the Dobermans were more a bigger part of it, going back to my old point. But also that, so the story was a little bit different, a little darker. That's a very dark story. I don't know if I would. Well, here's the thing too. Like, so the kittens are out five bucks for a cat. That's in the beginning. Mm -hmm. All I'm thinking, no paperwork. We're just giving out kittens. Who's selling these kittens? Who's selling these kittens? And then it's like, (laughs) they're free. And then, then you just forget that there's one kitten in the box. <laughs> My whole thing was everyone's taking the black, the white, the gray cats. No one wants the awesome orange cat. I don't know. Like, come on. The tabby. Is that, that right? Is only, that a cat? Yeah, cat the only tabby? one that's like colored. Interesting. Take that cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's colored. Interesting because for, for the it's sake for the of the movie. Of the story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The animators took photos of New York streets for reference in terms of how to draw this. So they had, they actually had set the camera on the ground for the dog's point of view. And okay. then that's how they, they kind of drew it up. And, 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 but then of course there's a bunch of shots that are from above, which whatever, I guess that kind of fits in there. This is also the last animated Disney classic to use line overlay or cell overlay, which is that you make the background match the lines of a Xerox object on the film. Which, and you can tell. Oh, and absolutely. It's awesome. You can always tell because you know, <laughs> what parts of the the frame are going to be like if somebody's hiding, you yeah. know where they are because you, it's animated. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Did you really, did you like the kind of sketch work they did for New York city? You talking like about the backdrops, especially at in the, the opening. Yeah. When they come down in the beginning. I mean, it's, I think it's of the times. I think it's obviously all hand drawn. Right. Although I should say that, uh, that this is the first film First Disney film to have its own department that was solely set up for just computer generated graphics. So some of the stuff in there is generated by a computer animation, like some of the well, they wrap around the limo for sure. Right. right. So some of that stuff is is computer generated, but there obviously is a blend here of old and new or or upcoming new. Uh, It was fine. I think it just it's a style stylistic. Like if you saw that now, if you saw somebody who did that now specifically, I think it would probably be lauded a little bit more because it would be like, oh, that's so retro. That's just like that. I mean, back then, that's the only thing they did. So, no, I, I, it was fine. I, I just said I really enjoyed seeing that again, and yeah. especially the beginning, how it's much more. Well, did you enjoy seeing the Twin Towers? Did uh, you know? It's just something that's there all what, the time. But, yeah. but here's the thing that they most animated movies went back and removed the Twin Towers um, from the skyline after 9-11. Uh, so but this was the only movie that didn't do it because it was too expensive to do. Hmm. Like they really couldn't go back and do it. So leaving it, they left it in there. But they also got praise for leaving it in there because people were like, oh, that, you know, remember the time before 9 yeah. and stuff like that, which I think is fine. I don't think you should remove them. No, not at all. Why are you wiping away history? You can't exactly. do that. Yeah. I mean, you, you should, you want them in there so people will remember and be like, oh, remember? You don't want everyone to forget. 
So I thought, I thought that was good. But that's the first thing I noticed. They're up there. I'm like, oh, Twin Towers. First thing I noticed. I do that in like pretty much every live action movie where they show them in the shot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think they just did it for the animation. I guess because it's easy to eliminate them from the animation. Yeah, kids don't need to see that. They're going to ask questions. Yeah. God, I can't talk to them. <laughs> kids must know nothing. Did you like the ending chase scene? I thought it was preposterous. I, I, I was like, only in a cartoon can a limousine go down a New York City subway entrance to begin with. And then hit the subway tracks, tear up their tires, and use that to become a new subway train. Like, no reason to, to be afraid of any kind of officer stopping them. And Sykes dies horribly. Like, that's a horrible death. I know, when we were watching, we were just like, oh! Oh, yeah, he's he is dead. <laughs> well, they've already run over the dogs. <laughs> he's like, that is... that He's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was there something that because I'm, I'm trying not to be negative, but I'm going to ask you, is there something you really didn't like in this movie? Um, in terms of maybe the differences between you and you watched it as a child and now? Well, like I said, the story bits go really fast. But again, like we just said, it's, it's for kids. So while now I'm like, I really wish there was a little bit more to develop Dodger and Oliver as friends or as part of the gang when Oliver really never was part of the he gang. He just kind of shows up and they're just like, oh, you're one right. of us now. Uh, I don't know if I really like... So I don't really want to count that. Again, it's not for us. It is what it is. As a six-year-old, you're listening and you're more enthralled because it's shorter. Uh, Georgette's character, I really didn't like. And okay. I really didn't care for that whole subplot of her being just this, this bitch. In literally. Terms, literally figurative, and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's just not a good... She's just not a good person, dog. Person. Well, she doesn't learn any lesson. Yeah, she doesn't get a comeuppance. Right. She goes to help rescue Oliver or help rescue Jenny. But I feel like even though they don't show it, it's more because well, she can't go back without Jenny. Yeah. Point. So yeah, she doesn't really learn anything other than maybe that she has a thing for Tito. That's but she the only lesson. She but learns. she doesn't because then like she, she wants she, to they, change him. But then they make they. It, they and, and this is all about how she's written. She never changes. And then she she's written where at the end she's changing Tito and he's got to escape. Like she's an overbearing woman. It's like, mm, that's not a good look. It's she's not a, her whole character is not a good look right. at all. Uh, and it's just, and she doesn't learn any lesson. And now like, even when like Oliver, I had a laugh because uh, at the end of the movie, they all leave and they're like, ah, oh, we'll see you around kid. And I'm like, let's yeah. be honest. Oliver's never seen these right, dogs yeah. again. <laughs> Oliver's like, yeah, all right. All right. Enjoy. Bye. Yeah. Go sit on my grand piano. Exactly. <laughs> but are you off? Also, you want to wonder, I don't think the relationship between Georgette and Oliver is going to change once he's in the house. They're obviously still going to be fighting or yeah. Georgette's still going to try to get rid of him. But that's classic Disney, though, that True. kind of that kind of thing, because that leaves the door open for an Oliver and Company TV show on Disney Channel. Did they do that? Did they I have don't any? know if they did that, but that's how they they keep certain things like that open ended all the time so that you can do that. Sure. I guess so I was watching that and go. I'm sure there was or was planned to be an Oliver at home having Looney Tunes type hijinks with Georgette mm -hmm. and every once in a while, maybe Dodger would show up or they do 15 minute segments. Mm -hmm. One Dodger, one Oliver. Speaking of Dodger, when he goes to when Jenny gets kidnapped and Dodger's like, don't worry, kid, we'll get her back. It's like, this is all your fault, Dodger. Uh, yeah. Don't <laughs> because because Oliver gets adopted and Jenny takes him in and Oliver's there 
And then the yeah. dogs decide, no, he's stuck there. We got to do without even at, just go there and kidnap him back. Yeah. They caused this. They oh, caused sure, this. Yeah. <laughs> well, Oliver even goes, why'd you, why'd you take? I was happy. I was in a home. I was like, well, you got to be part of the gang. Yeah. Dodger's a little bit of, again, this is how it's written. Dodger's a bit selfish and one-minded. You can, yeah, you kind of get that from the beginning. They're, they're all one note. They're all like, okay, this, this dog is the actor dog. This dog is the doofus. Tito is the, uh, the poorly represented uh, <laughs> uh, ethnic dog. That's really not great, but whatever. Oh, I like Tito. No, I, I, Cheech Marin's funny. Yeah, but, he's got but, most but, of the but, jokes in the but, movie. Uh, well, I know. Well, I, <laughs> I'm wondering if if he ad libbed a lot of those. But it's it's almost he might like, have. this is right before right before this is maybe a couple years before Lion King, right? Yeah. So he's because he's one of the hyenas in Lion King. And he, but but I like him and I think his hyena in Lion King is much better. Well, the hyenas and Lion King are bolstered by him and Whoopi both oh, have sure. some really but, great lines. Yeah, and then you had that's Ed, still writing. who's just laughing at everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we did. But yes, that. Lion King is absolutely a far superior animated movie. But not just animated, written as well. That's what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you can watch it as an adult and still think, well, that's a fantastic movie. Oh, I can watch. For see, sure. that's the thing. I can watch Lion King again. I don't know if yeah. I can watch The Little Mermaid. I'm not a big Little Mermaid guy. Uh, I can watch Aladdin again. A little Mermaid gets a little slow in parts, but it's oh, not absolutely. bad. Yeah, I don't look. I can watch. I can watch Aladdin. I watch Aladdin. I can watch Hercules. Did you? Watch, oh, really? I love Hercules. It's one of my favorites. <sighs> I only saw it once. Watch again. There's a lot of stuff in there. I can watch the Emperor's New Groove. I'm not a big <laughs> Emperor's New Groove. Guy. That's not bad. It makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, you did not enjoy this movie. No, I, I just it was not a movie that uh, I won't watch it again. Because it's not for me. Sure. It's, it's a kids' film. I know we try to do a kids' film every season. Right. Um, sometimes, you know, they're like, oh, I really enjoyed it. But this is just, it was okay. Yeah, I watched it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like I said, it, it, when you're older and you're watching these children's movies, what you start honing in on is story and how they're telling the story. And, and you can, you understand the kids' stuff that pop in there, the stuff that's for children. But when right. that's all that's in this movie, it feels a little like this is you know, we did this specifically to make money for kids and it made money 74 million and it went up against the land before time don bluth is like huge at this time at this right. point so it still made its money against that which is good and i think somebody in this movie was offered a role in the land before time but they did this, they chose this movie instead and i can't remember who <sighs> Who it might have been Dom DeLuise because he really wanted to do this movie. So, uh, you know, that's the other thing. And like, I know that we in the synopsis, I talk about how it's based on Oliver Twist. This is like the loosest of loosest. Oh, for sure. Interpretations of Oliver Twist, because like I believe like Jenny is somebody or, or is it Nancy or somebody? Somebody's somebody's wife in Oliver Twist or. If Fagan is like trying to get one, it's really weird. It's been a long time since I've read Oliver Twist. I, I kind of briefly went over it just it just to get an idea of this. Just story. to kind of get an idea of the differences, but it's like, yeah, there's another character that's missing and it's really dark. Uh it's just it's real. I mean, it's I don't even know why. I mean, the only reason why do it? Why call it something else? I think that's <laughs> just well, Oliver and Company's got a nice ring to it. Sure, now it does. <laughs> I think that pretty much every Disney movie, and I don't know, maybe it was like a rule has to be based on some kind of classic tale. 
Well, it's in. At I'm least pretty sure it's in the public domain, right? That's probably oh, for why. Sure, yeah. yeah. But like Lion King is clearly Hamlet. Mm-hmm. You know, Little Mermaid is a a grim uh, fairy tale. Well, they're probably it's like yeah, they're given an architecture to follow. Right. right. Exactly. So Disney probably has a list and goes, "Here you go. Can you make something out of these lists?" Gives them maybe gives a writer like the 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 overlist or something like that. And it's like, can you make Pick, a story out of this? Choose. Right. <laughs> choose wisely. <laughs> well, would you? Would you recommend this to people that maybe like parents? Oh, you should have your kid watch all of them. I would. Abso- I would. I would recommend this to, to parents because I. I was thinking. I don't know if I'd watch this again. I still really like that one song, the Billy Joel song. But you can listen to the parents because it is so quick and it does move and it doesn't slow down at all because it's just story beat after story beat to move the story along that it captures a kid's attention span at least. So if you want to start them out watching movies, this is a good one to start them out watching. Like, hey, let's test the waters. Can our kids right. sit down and watch this? You know, more than just like a 30-minute episode of SpongeBob or whatever. Can they watch a movie? Well, I got to on SpongeBob. I'm not. I'm just I saying know, I know. SpongeBob's 30 minutes. Got you. I'll got you. A cartoon. I got you. I liked watching this movie now, A, because I hadn't seen it in so, so long, but also the animation style, mm-hmm. that that cell drawing style. The, the action, overlays. The yep. overlays. So much stuff is hand drawn and sketched. I really appreciated that, but yeah, it's it's tough to watch because it is really for kids. But there's a couple of stuff I I laughed at, and stuff like that. So it's not awful to watch with your kids. Would you compare this to the type of stuff that's solely for kids, like Teletubbies and like that kind of style of like, or the what's the one with the vegetables that all the Veggie Tales, like that kind of stuff? You would you compare this movie to that? Well, Veggie Tales also has. Well, religious connotations. Uh, but yeah, um, get rid of minus the <laughs> minus the faith based stuff. I'm talking about just the animation and kind of like the humor. Would you equate this movie? I would say it's a little bit above that. It's it's above that. It's yeah. it's definitely more in terms of your rescue rangers, your ducktails, stuff like that. Sure, kind of a little bit older than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gonna, I just see when you're watching an hour and a hour and 15 minute Teletubbies episode um, uh, <laughs> no thank god that's over I don't, we never did the Teletubbies they were into Barney a little bit which is fine yeah. Um, I, yeah I, I, the more I think with like the more the stuff you bring up like DuckTales and the Rescuers and stuff like that like the, I, the more we talk about some of the other movies that are in this kind of I don't want to say genre but this kind of realm of demographic maybe movies, yeah. yeah the more I'm starting to not like Oliver and Company in terms of just not like the writing, not sure, like the okay. plot, because I think it it seems very slapdash, seems very just thrown together. Because those other movies that you're talking about are decent, are well done, and like I can follow those plot points along. I'm not asking for a Shakespearean plot in these movies, but I'm asking right. for some believability. There's just kind of like this. Just seems like oh, this happens. Okay, and then how about this happens? And then oh, we do this, and then yeah, those dogs get killed. Yeah, yeah, like. It just seems like it's it's, it's just kind very of a mishmash. This, you know how the story moves just like the old, and I don't know if you ever bought these for your kids, like the old, the Golden Spine Disney books. Oh, yeah. Some of them I, are I based on the movies yeah, the cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Like, it seems like they took the plot of, a, where they take the plot of a movie, they condense it into 12 pages. Yeah. That kind of seems what Oliver Company is as a movie already. That's a good, that's a good point. It's a good reference because there are books that I have read for them when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And you're reading them and you're just like, this makes no sense. Like, you're like, what the hell is happening here? Like, you can't understand, like, what care. Like, it's just it's just stuff on page. It's almost like they went in between pages and started. Yeah, out. it yeah. absolutely feels like that. And and so 
it's just kind of like, oh my God. Like, so it definitely <laughs> feels like something like that. Yeah. That's a good point. That's, that actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to like, if you love Oliver and company and uh, like people out there listening and you were Mike's age and you love the grown up, uh, that's great. Absolutely great. Keep watching it. Just kind of looking back now, there's just sometimes there's some movies that you look back and you're like, oh, I like that song, but what the heck else was happening in this movie? There's just a lot of stuff I wasn't down on. There's a lot of stuff that's good cute on. or funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cute, funny. The one song is good, but there's other Disney movies that have like Lion King or Aladdin yeah. or Little Mermaid, a ton of good songs. Right, right. And this has the Billy Joel song. <laughs> well, the song just, at the beginning is good, but not memorable. What's the other song? Like New York or something like that. Well, the beginning about New York. Yeah. yeah and they're riding like no one, no one stops these rogue dogs in New York City walking around while like they're running the joint, getting on cars. And they're like, nobody says anything. Eh, whatever. And I'm sorry, but I'm not buying a hot dog or a sausage from old Louie. Oh God! It was gross. Just Sometimes gross. you need some street meat, man. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's far different than what's out there. Right I now. have never bought a hot dog from a hot dog stand. Well, and I don't think I really. Have. Yeah, I'm trying to think of. Oh, I have from like ballparks and stuff like that. I bought oh, like, from like, like yeah, yeah, like baseball the hot, stadiums. The hot, nuts, though, the hot yeah. nuts are good. I get like the pretzels. Sometimes the pretzels. Those are good. Yeah, when they're selling them on the uh, the cart, they don't do those yeah, anymore. Just not though. the hot dogs. They just stay in that water for forever. I don't think. Do you think they still sell? Uh, do you think there are people still out there selling pretzels on grocery carts? We used to get. We used to leave Shea Stadium all the time. I'm a Mets fan, everyone. I'm wearing a Mets hat right now. Yes, you were. We used to go and we used to walk out of Shea Stadium at the end of a game, and you would see these guys out there on the grocery cart, and they've got they've got the uh, pretzels out there all cooking. You're just like, yeah, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> <laughs> but I know they still had them last time in the city, but now, in this day and age? Yeah, well, no. No, there's no I'm more. I'm sure they're closed now. Man, the hot nut guy isn't out there anymore, is he? Nope. Dang. The streets are clear. <laughs> Probably smells way different walking down <laughs> downtown at this point. Uh, I was going to ask if you thought this was forgotten, but um, I think it is. Primarily oh, for because, sure. I, think yeah, because I was it's, shocked it was on Disney Plus. Yes. Well, no, I, I wasn't forgot, because I forgot it was Disney. Because nobody let's be honest, nobody's coming calling Disney like, hey, can we get Oliver and Company for a three month run on Netflix? Nobody's calling for <laughs> exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was probably first on the list. Oliver and Company, check. Done. That's a freebie right there. <laughs> uh I do think it's forgotten. A, I think that it's only got the one memorable song. This is Smack Dab 1988. Yep. So what do you got? Little Mermaid the year after, I think. Is that eighty nine? I think Little Mermaid is the year after. Well, you well you didn't have, you had Lion King was ninety four, Aladdin was ninety three. Little Mermaid is ninety eight, or eighty eight, eighty nine rather. Little Mermaid is eighty nine. Okay. I always put Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin's ninety three. So you had a little while before Aladdin. Ninety three, ninety four. After that, yep. Pocahontas is ninety six or ninety five. Yep. Yeah, ninety five is also Toy Story. This is so, right yeah. before it's the big takeoff. Yeah, yeah. Little Mermaid kind of launched that new age of Disney film. Yeah. So I think this kind of gets left behind in the the old days kind of uh, thing. Well, this was I, I had a note in here that this was one of the this was the first movie that was like mostly a musical. I can't remember where if, I I forgot to write it down, but it was like maybe a couple of years earlier. There was like Disney had done musicals for a little bit. Okay, Black yeah, Cauldron, like, like rescuing. Right, right, right. So this had music, then and then Little Mermaid came with music. Lion King music, Aladdin music, music, and then Pocahontas came with no music, and everyone not like not like music like the other ones. It would have maybe a couple songs. It's got a decent yeah. amount of songs. It's not good. <laughs> and then and but then obviously you, I just said like Toy Story was ninety five. So then they that just kind of took off after that. Once Toy Story came, forget it. It was game over. 
For what, the musical? For the old style Disney movies, just kind of like what they they always had that one big movie. After that, it kind of yeah. went down for sure. Because after that, you have what do you have? Hercules, Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch is awesome. Emperor's New Groove. And then I think you're done. I think there's like three more of those, like what you would, what I would consider like the white cassette, op- big plastic white cassette <laughs> opens. What was Beauty and the Beast? White 92? 91? Beauty and the Beast. No, Beauty and the Beast was probably 95. No, it was after all that. Beauty and the Beast uses the, uh, oh, it was 91. Okay. In your face, wow. Butler. Don't come at me with Walt Disney uh, animation knowledge. I don't know. I'll just Forgotten guess. Disney coming soon from the Forgotten <laughs> Cinema guys. Uh, yeah, so 1991. Yeah, so I think the big white clamshell cassettes, like I feel like end with Lilo and Stitch. So yeah, once, once Toy Story comes out, it's like, oh, CG, man. Let's, let's just do that now. Yeah. <laughs> a lot easier. And then it's like, what, 20 years before Princess and the Frog comes out and it's almost like a novelty kind of a thing. Oh, that's right. Well, that Yeah, that's right. And it takes like 20 years to get back to an animated with, movie. With the evil crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> Is he evil? I the bad no, guy? He's good. no, the voodoo guy's the bad oh, guy. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Apologies. The crocodile's not. I'm thinking of Hook. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm thinking of Peter Pan. Technically, the crocodile eats Hook, so the crocodile's kind of the hero. I guess. <laughs> I, I guess if you want to go that route, that's fine. I'm going to make a spinoff for Peter Pan. It's all about the crocodile. It's a prequel to how the crocodile became the crocodile. <laughs> nice. All right, cool. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Go watch Oliver and Company. Yeah, that's sure. it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening, but uh, Mike's going to tell you where you can find us, obviously. I am. Okay. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you where you can find us. <laughs> you can find you, Buller. <laughs> you can find us on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family, which means you can find us at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find us on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema Pod or Forgotten Cinema. Uh, we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, shoot us a comment. Let us know what you think about the movies that we post about. Let us know what you want to see. Uh, you can also email us at forgotten cinema podcast at gmail.com and you know, let us know. Give us your recommendations. We'll put them on the list. Absolutely. And join us next week. We are so this was a 72 minute movie, Butler. Get ready. Get ready for a two hour and forty minute fest next week. Oh, I don't know if I can do that, man. We're gonna be doing the <laughs> Edward Zwick directed The Last Samurai starring Tom Cruise. It's really that long? It's two hours and forty minutes. Yeah. Oh my God, why'd I put it on the list? <laughs> Although I but I will say I'm glad I this is one of this is a movie that I have not seen since I first saw it in the theater. Yeah. I'm kind of interested to see what if I'm gonna like it again. I've seen it a few times since I, I like Ed Zwick. I, I like his stuff. His movies are a little bit long, but I do like him as a filmmaker. Right. So I'm really interested to see how like what my reaction is going to be to this movie. So I'm actually interested in this film coming up. I'm interested in all the movies that we do, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's next week. The last samurai until then I am Mike field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been forgotten cinema.
said, Mike, get your butt here. You're never on time. Don't got this podcast state of mind. Why should I worry? Why should I care? We're Mike's Butler and Field. And we're the coolest, we swear. 